Welcome to the Women of the West podcast, exploring the trials and bliss of women blazing trails for themselves through the Western way of life. Amanda Radke is a fifth generation rancher from South Dakota. She's also an author, speaker, and blogger for Beef Magazine. Recently, she went viral with her response to Ellen DeGeneres' hashtag Be Neat, Eat Less Meat. Listen in as we talk about misinformation being spread about ag and cattle and what we can do to support the cattle industry through education. So, good morning, Amanda. Thank you so much for doing this podcast with me. Yeah, thanks for having me on today. So we're here today to talk a little bit about your viral response to Ellen DeGeneres' hashtag be neat, eat less meat. And... It's it's been an interesting couple of days for sure. Mhm. And so, I guess what's it been like a week? Just about right at a week, a little more than a week. Yes, a week ago Wednesday that the I posted on Beef Magazine an open letter to Ellen DeGeneres that um basically just asked her if we could sit down or I could come on her show and talk to her about um, beef production and, and nutrition and climate and, and cattle. And, um, because after I saw the video on Instagram where she encouraged people to eat less meat, um, to save the planet and for the betterment of the animals and our health too, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't upset that she, you know, eats differently than me or, or ha- follows a plant-based diet. I was more frustrated just with that misinformation. And so, um, it would be my hope and dream if if I could get her attention just to sit in her chair on her show and and talk about who we are in in cattle country and kind of give her some different information to think about um not just for her but for her millions of fans who um deserve to have you know all the information and facts in front of them so that they can make educated decisions at the grocery store mhm yeah, and it's hard. I I was cringing watching her video, you know, it like makes you want to twitch. You, know, you wish you could just like, but right. I have a hundred scientific studies that say different. Would you like to see them? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and that's really the challenge, right? Is we have so much science in agriculture today. I mean, to um, benefit the plant planet and to be better environmental stewards and to improve animal health and to make more beef using fewer natural resources. I mean, we have an incredible story to to share, but the hard thing is, is that science really isn't always sexy or it doesn't make good, you know, clickbait headlines. Um, but a fun video, uh, from Ellen, a beloved celebrity, um, with a really cute hashtag, um, that's really easy to digest and is very shareable. And so I've kind of been mulling over making my own video kind of in the same format that Ellen did um, and doing a little play on on what she shared and, and kind of doing it in the opposite direction. So <laughs> the next couple of days, I'm hoping to find some talented kid that can can help me produce a video <laughs> because that is not my area of expertise at all. Oh, I love that. And I love your, what was the hashtag? Hashtag B. Neat, eat more meat. Be neat, eat more meat. Uh, I love I've that. been doing uh, be neat, let's eat meat. So <laughs> be yeah, neat, we're, let's we're eat just, meat. <laughs> yes, yes, and and let's dance, Ellen. I've been using that one too. So <laughs> I I do know that 
um, her producers have seen the letter and they're aware of the social media buzz. But uh, to answer everyone's question, no, they have not contacted me yet. So I, I'm grateful for opportunities like this where I get to be on podcasts or radio or TV and, and share this information. Um, so even if, you know, I'm not sitting in Ellen's chair, at least I'm able to talk about, you know, greenhouse gas emissions and, you know, what we can do to impact the planet in a um, positive way if, if we're worried about that. And, and so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just trying to have as many positive conversations as I can here while, uh, the attention's pointed my direction. Oh, I love that. And you're a fifth generation rancher from South Dakota, correct? I am. So we're raising the sixth generation on our ranch. I've got, we've got three kids, my husband, Tyler and I, um, they're under the age of five, so they keep us busy. And, um, yeah, it's my dream that they would be able to be involved in the beef industry someday. But right now with not only societal misconceptions and perceptions about who we are and retailer demands and regulatory pressures. But then there's also, you know, the volatility in the marketplace today and um, extreme weather changes that have made it really difficult to operate. I mean, there's just a lot the cowboy and, and, or cattlemen and cattlewomen are facing right now. And so um, we have our work out for us, cut out for us um, in this industry. And we really need strong voices to kind of balance the conversations and make sure that we have a seat at the table, whether it's, you know, with what our consumers are saying or what politicians are proposing or what might have you. I mean, there's just so much out there kind of working against us and we really all need to band together and, and be those strong voices. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, we think about it from the producer side, but also the consumer side, there's so I'm amazed at how much misinformation there is. Mm-hmm. Even on, you know, even like from agricultural companies and their packaging of foods and stuff. Um, you know, like the no RBST, but there's been, you know, like it, it right. there's or, so much or misinformation. Free bottles of water or. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but. No, preach it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we just have so much uh, to I, talk about today <laughs> exactly and i see that you have an ag communications degree um which i was like heck yeah girl that's what my degree's in too so i think yeah, we're a little more sensitive I, uh, gra- to the education part of it we you know god if everyone could just take a second and learn a little bit about ag every day we the whole world would know so much more <laughs> Right. And, but it is, you know, stepping into consumer shoes, it's, it's hard. I mean, they go into the grocery store and like you said, there's so many marketing claims, so many different labels. And I love that, um, you know, there is a food for every consumer. I mean, consumers can truly shop their values and what's most important to them. And that also gives opportunities to farmers and ranchers to, you know, meet these expectations or these standards that these consumers are wanting. Um, but on the flip side of things, it creates a lot of confusion and just kind of the conception that, or the misconception that the conventional product is somehow, you know, unsafe or not as nutritious. Um, and really, if mm-hmm. I look at it on a deeper level, you know, all of these, 
um, you know, premium products or the special labeled products and now are great. But when they become, you know, where we're shifting as a society where we think that that should be just the norm or the standard, um, what it does mm-hmm. is make food more expensive and hurts um, the impoverished or the, you know, the um, food insecure in this country. So when food becomes more expensive, of course, it becomes less accessible to those who need it most. And so I really struggle with, you know, meeting these societal demands, but also recognizing that we still do need affordable, accessible um, food for, for the masses to feed a hungry planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're such a, what's the word I'm looking for here? We are like, you know, there is a food for every consumer and we are such a lucky country. You know, I was thinking that the other day I was like buying, I was buying bed sheets and something else. And I was like, wow, it's even at the same store. I didn't have to go two places, you know? <laughs> yeah. And for you like me, you just click Amazon Prime <laughs> and it comes right to your door. <laughs> you know, and. But just thinking, I was like, you know, going through the grocery store and, um, hmm. it, it just, you know, kids would rather have a popsicle than a glass of milk, you know? And mm-hmm. we're seeing that shift, I think, in taste too, that adults would rather eat a Cheeto than a cheese stick, you know? It's mm-hmm. the fast carbs, you know, high, high calorie foods, you know, people aren't even choosing some of those healthier options just because it's like a taste preference too. You know, it's not even that they care what's in it. They just would rather have, you know, the high calorie option, which our bodies naturally crave, but there's been such a shift in generations, you know, my mom, like Mm -hmm. trying to get my mom to eat a Cheeto. She's like, Oh gross. No, I'd just rather have (laughs) cheese and meat or something. That's what's frustrating to me is, you know, we blame the, the cheeseburger on America's obesity problems. Well, it's not the cheeseburger that you order at McDonald's that I think is causing our issues. It's the cheeseburger between the two buns and the extra large French fries and the super size, you know, milkshake or, or soda pop that comes with it. But yet we're going to blame the three ounce patty of beef. That's the very small part of that whole meal. And, and try to connect that to obesity or heart disease or diabetes. Um, when really, if we just look at that beef patty, it's nutrient dense. It has 10 essential nu- nutrients, including, um, you know, just one three ounce serving of beef has half your daily amount of, um, protein in a day. And mm-hmm. so it's just incredible how much you can get from one single serving of beef. And, uh, yet that's what's been demonized in America's diets today. And I, I just think it's, it's funny, but it's also tragic too, because here we are taking a whole food source like beef and, and trying to paint it out to be something that it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, I think I was a part of collegiate cattle women at Montana state and we would go to classrooms and we would teach about a cheeseburger and we would, you know, Oh, you get your whole grains from the bun and you get, you know, your zip, zinc iron protein from your beef. Right. And, you know, we go through each, each ingredient and teach these kids. And then we'd have to sit down and say, okay, what's healthier? McDonald's cheeseburger or homemade cheeseburger? You know, 
And they would say McDonald's because they're so much more familiar with it, you know? They eat right. more McDonald's cheeseburgers than they've ever seen their parents make for them, you know? And it, so much mi- misinformation. And, oh, it's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a shift, that's for sure. And I don't know if anybody follows me on Instagram. I kind of went on a rant last night. Um so the the vegan trolls kind of found me or the activists yesterday and you know I'm I'm used to that. I have thick skin and I um you know it's just kind of par for the course. You know, anytime you speak out, the the naysayers are going to find you and they're going to try to drag you down. Um but yesterday was just it was a lot to be honest because it was I mean I was mm-hmm. getting up new comment basically every 30 seconds from, from these activists who are just calling me all kinds of nasty names. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm human. It's going to get to me, but what really just strikes me is that these people claim to have be the most compassionate and, you know, they have this moral superiority where they think, well, you can eat an animal and I do not. So I am a better person than you, but in the same breath, then they're threatening to kill you or they're threatening your family or they're calling you all kinds of nasty names. And just like at the core of it for me as a rancher um, and, and a Christian rancher is I try to be a steward of, of God's gifts, of his land, of the livestock and, and of people too. And so each and every day I'm out here because yes, I'm passionate about the beef cow and I'm passionate about maintaining our rangeland, but I also know that this is for a greater good. It's to nourish a hungry planet and to provide those life enriching byproducts. And I guess my rant on Instagram was that to me, what keeps me up at night is thinking about the one in four children that go to bed hungry at night in the United States today and how we live in the the land of plenty, but there's still people that aren't getting what they need. And on top of that, we're we waste 40% of all the food grown in the United States today. And so we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're spoiled and we, you know, we complain with full stomachs and yet we're not doing what we need to do to really respect that harvest, get that food to the kids who need it most. And, and also, you know, not, not let, um, the, those foods go to waste. And so I, I'm mm-hmm. telling people if they can make one dietary change to, better the planet, it would be to focus, focus on food waste and then look at transportation and electricity use. Because the reality is that the U.S. beef producer only contributes 2% of total greenhouse gas emissions in the United States and transportation and electricity are 25% and 29%. And so, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it just, (laughs) it's incredible to me. Just that shift or that change of perspective. And I guess that's the lens that I, I look at things is, you know, how can we help people? And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I guess I don't know how you think or what, what you think about that, but that was my rant last night. And I probably sounded like a crazy person a little bit. No, I'm, I'm with you. And I think the, a huge, huge part of it is even people who try to be informed type in, you know, you can type in livestock, greenhouse gas emissions, and, and mm-hmm. the number that comes up is like 80 to 90%, but it's not from right. the EPA. It's, it's no. these numbers that someone has just made up, but they have enough clickbait that people are like, oh, well, that must be the fact, you know? 
Right. And that must be the truth. And I'm like, do not click on anything unless it's like dot edu, please. Unless right. there's, you know, um, right. and it's so hard <laughs> to get that, that across to the general consumer, um, or someone mm-hmm. who hasn't been trained to think, Oh, that's a dot com. That's not a dot, you know, even dot org is usually better right. than dot com, but people don't know that. And it, it, that's part of communicating, you know, right. You look at this when you, before you take a fact from someone. Mm-hmm. So, well, and there uh-huh. there are some some resources out there that would seem to be credible, but that simply are not. Um, so a good example mm-hmm. of that is in 2006, the United Nations came out with a report titled Livestock's Long Shadow, and it claims uh-huh. that the beef industry, you know, was the greatest contributor of greenhouse gas emissions. And the second that report went out, I mean, it's goes back to the old saying, you know, a lie can travel halfway around the world before the truth puts on his tennis shoes. And mm-hmm. um, it's just, it's just this bell we can't unring. I mean, that misconception just continues to plague the industry. And now, um, you know, we see these politicians going on the campaign trail, and they're proposing sin taxes on meat, and they're proposing that we need to begin taxing farmers and ranchers for their emissions. And it's all based on, on information that has since been debunked. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's incredibly frustrating. And it's also scary because at the core, food security is our national security. And so mm-hmm. we, we can't eat our way out of climate change and nor should we tax people for foods like beef because that is a new it's not an empty calorie it's not a you know superficial type want that we in this country i can think of all kinds Mm -hmm. of things that we use on a daily basis that have a carbon footprint that aren't really necessary you know in our Mm -hmm. in our daily lives Mm -hmm. absolutely so to wrap that up you know we talked a little bit about your background and stuff but when you're faced with these just hateful people, people who are just mm-hmm. mad because you're standing up for what you believe in and what you believe is right. What's your motivation to keep going against that? You know, you it'd know, be I easy think... just to roll over and pull the covers over your head and say, I'm not doing it today. Right. It's not an option in this, I don't think. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I think it was, you know, it, it's very easy to be comfortable and to, you know, not, not really want to ruffle feathers or, you know, speak out for fear of this exact thing happening, right? Your world getting turned upside down. And it's not going to happen like that every single time. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, the fear of getting beat up isn't as, as big of a fear as not being able to continue to be in business in the years to come. And if we mm-hmm. don't share our stories, someone else will do it for us, the activists and, and the politicians and the media that gets it gets it all wrong. And ultimately it does hurt our futures in this industry. And so um, I guess my best advice to people is to focus on the 95% of folks who genuinely just want to learn about where their food comes from. And usually those people are just quietly reading and you don't even hear from them. Um, and then forget <laughs> the, 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 you know, the small percentage of people who are super loud, you know, and are going to let you know how they they think and feel. And so that's kind of what I think about. And, and honestly, like I said, I'm human. So I read those comments and it's hard not to, you know, internalize some of the nastiness, but 
um, turn it around and use it as fuel for your fire because obviously you've hit a chord or struck a chord and people are worried about you speaking out. And so, you know, they wouldn't be wasting their time being nasty to you unless they thought that you were a threat to their agenda or what they were kind of trying to accomplish. Um, so I just, mm-hmm. I guess a call to action, I would invite anyone and everyone who lives on a farm or a ranch or appreciates a good cut of beef or, you know, has a really great recipe they'd love to share. Um, just pop on social media and, and post about it and share your story. And then on the flip side, you know, maybe you're too shy or you're, you're more quiet. Um, you don't have to put yourself out there, um, but share the people that are. So if there's someone, you know, that really poured their heart into a post or, you know, are is telling their story you know, each and every day, um, give them a clap on the, you know, give them a clap, give them a comment, a like, a share, um, let them know that they're doing a good job. Um, help their efforts mm-hmm. not go in vain because, uh, that's, that's the whole point is getting these great posts and great information in front of the consumer. And so anything that we can do to lift up that agricultural community as a whole, I think is really beneficial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I would absolutely agree with you. And that's, you know, and, and question who your resources are coming from, you know, even, um, some of the like advocates on Instagram, you know, I'm all about it, but I love when I, they post like where their fact is from, you know, yeah. Like, don't be afraid to question them either because if they're credible, they'll be able to hand you an article, you know, if you've got questions right. or you think that's not right, you know, ask them. Most times they would say, Oh, well, I got it from this resource, you know, and it is in right. fact true. Yeah. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So, okay. Well, I mean, that kind of cut, we, we were cruising through that kind of covers on everything <laughs> that I had. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? I guess one other, one other topic that really struck me is if, if it's not cows, what is it? If it's, if we're not grazing, it turns, it turns to farmland or it turns to mm-hmm. urban development. And that's right. something that's not being talked about, I think, as much as it needs to be. And, you know, every day they're figuring out that a grassland is more of a carbon sink than they thought before. Mm-hmm. And if we don't have that land, you know, then what's our greenhouse? It's not even about the emissions. Some of it's just about the stores. You know, where is the carbon even going to go if we don't have that? Right. And not to mention that a large percentage of the world's landmass can only be used for cattle grazing. I mean, you couldn't convert it to, to urban developments or to crop farming. I had somebody ask me, well, couldn't you just convert your farm to an orchard and plant, you know, fruit trees? Like I live in South Dakota where it is, the growing season is like three months of the year, you know, especially Mm -hmm. in years like last year where we started out January with negative 26 degree weather and we had winter all the way up into early May and um, now we've had flooding all summer and we also have steep you know hills and and some years it's a total drought and um, so we're we're not exactly in you know California where it's sunshiny and you know the sun shines year-round it's um, and so that land would just sit barren and unused if we weren't able to have cattle upcycling that grass and converting it into nutritious beef. And a really good video on that, if people are interested, 
um, is Alan Savory. He has a TED Talk and you can find it on YouTube, but he talks about the benefits of adding ruminant animals back to the landscape and how it promotes, you know, new growth. Uh, it reduces the spread of wildfire by, you know, eliminating some of the dead brush. And of course, rangelands are home to more than just cows. It's a place for deer and foxes and rabbits and squirrels and mice and earthworms and bees. I mean, all of those animals then become displaced if we start plowing up the land and and slapping, you know, apartment complexes on it. And so mm -hmm. the cow is critical to maintaining that landscape and maintaining the range. And, um, and we can, again, upcycle the, the, the byproducts of crops and, and other feedstuffs that humans can't eat and then convert it into that nutritious beef. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the day of the uninformed rancher, is so long gone. I don't know any rancher, you know, that isn't someone who's constantly out looking for more information, trying to better their land, better their cattle, better their situation, you know, because they can't afford not mm -hmm. to as the margin, get, you know, margin of profit gets smaller and smaller. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for doing this interview with me today. I think this is a great way to get some more information out and, I will probably post the link to your beef article, your beef magazine letter, if you're all right with that, and tag your social media account yeah, so people can give you a follow. Yeah, maybe I would end that with, you know, I, I would invite people to uh, check out my blog at beefmagazine.com. Um, they can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And um, I also have a personal website, amandaradke.com, where they can learn more about me and I, I do some speaking and, and have some children's books that are egg accurate about the, the ranch industry. So I invite people to join in the conversations and connect with me online. Love it. Love it. Well, you know, you are fighting the good fight and I'm so thankful that there's women like you willing to step up and um, do the call out. You know, I can't imagine how intimidating that was to call out Ellen DeGeneres a little <laughs> bit. So props to you, girl. Uh, not everybody could do that. Oh, thank you. It's uh, the wind was kind of out of my sails yesterday after I saw that she had like a, a paid sponsorship on her show with some plant based, a plant based burger company. And I'm like, there's no way she like she even if she wanted to talk to me at this point, she could not because she's kind of bought and paid for there with that sponsorship. So that's a little frustrating, but I, I mean, I've gotten to do a ton of interviews this week and it it's the information is getting out there. And even if this, maybe she isn't willing to talk to me, it's, it's still a, still a victory, even though it feels like a little bit of a loss right now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And think of how many people, you know, how many people, I've just seen, I, you know, I've seen your posts shared on my Facebook. Even my dad knew about it. And my dad is the most Facebook literate oh. man ever. He was like, Oh, <laughs> you're talking to her. I saw that the other day, you know? So it's, it, <laughs> I think it's getting to more people than you realize. And, you know, they'll tell somebody and they'll tell somebody. I think it'll be quite the ripple in the pond. So, mm -hmm. so good for you. All righty, Amanda. Yeah. Well, you have yeah. a great day. Thank you so much. 
Thank you to Amanda for doing this interview. You can find her on Instagram or Facebook at Amanda Radke. I'll post a link to her social media account so you can follow along on her journey to getting to the Ellen DeGeneres show. Thank you so much for listening.